This is Rogues on the Road with Matt Froman and Rich Marshall, where we talk food, travel, craft beverages, and everything in between. Welcome to Rogues on the Road. This is our seventh podcast, I'm live podcast. I'm Matt Froman. This is Rich Marshall. Rich Marshall. And uh, in the corner, we've got a very special guest. Uh, nobody puts him in the corner, by the way. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Uh, he's uh, Tracy Allen. He is a, uh, we, we always talk about jack of all trades. You are truly a master of all trades. You really are. Um, Thanks. Your, your label that you put, it, it's, it's director, image maker, janitor, mover of booze. Yes. Boove Moozer, that, that's correct. Boove Moozer. And, that's, and I, I think that's a good place to begin tonight, because I think... With our token beverage. Uh, or beverages. Oh, yes, beverages. So you come all the way from uh, Yonkers, New York, correct. which is not far. Right. You were you live in Dobbs Ferry, live in New Dobbs, York, which, that's is, correct. which is right outside New York City. Yep. And you've taken on this kind... It's a new project for you? Yeah, which so one? a couple of months. Yeah, which one? Ago, yeah, <laughs> a couple of months ago, I uh, I met these pretty remarkable humans um, who had a distillery in Yonkers, New York, okay. of all places. And uh, when I met them, they were uh, making a pretty interesting uh, product. It's a fig eau de vie that legitimately has been made in Morocco for hundreds, if not thousands, of years. So right. this is basically moonshine in Morocco, right? And it's it's traditionally a Jewish, um, like this was a small um, part of Morocco that had a community of uh, Jewish oh, people. That- Mahia distillers, right. And the thing was, is in Morocco, for the most part, it's an illegal thing. You can't drink in Morocco. It's a mostly Muslim country. Okay. So the, the Jewish community in Morocco, many of them made Mahia, right? And they would sell it out the back door. So okay. it was moonshine. moonshine. That's really what it was. Right. And, and you, you know, you have, if you're making moonshine, you try and find whatever fermentables you have. That is so correct. So I would imagine there it would be. So they were using figs, yep. which is really what we're using here, dates, raisins, anything at all that they could extract sugar from and distill on these little tiny pot stills in their kitchens, basically. Right. And that's how they were making mahia. So the master distiller, David Namias... I'll let you figure out how to spell it. Um, he uh, came here when he was about 19 years old, and his mom uh, continued to make mahia in Brooklyn. And he was like, Mom, you know, it was illegal there. It's illegal here. Yeah. You can't make liquor in your kitchen. And she's like, whatever. <laughs> so she continued to make mahia, and David uh, decided he wanted to legitimize it. So he went and got this beautiful custom-made still. And uh, started making mahia like five years ago with his wife, Dorit. Okay. Um, I'll let you learn how to spell that, too. And, <laughs> I've um, actually met her at a farmer's market. Yeah, so, yeah. Yep. and super amazing people. But when I met them, I realized that they had had their heads down for five years just making product. Right? They were like, right. we want to make the best product. And it was David in his crazy, you know, kind of savant distiller kind of way. And I said, well, how are you guys selling this right. stuff? And they said, we we're not. don't know how we're doing it. Well. So, you know, for five years, they sold just enough to kind of keep the distillery moving and keeping it afloat. And they were, like, increasing their sales a little bit each year. So three, four months ago, I guess, I came on board and I said, I'm going to come in. I'm going to help you. I kind of 
put some skin in the game to make sure that right. you know I had a vested interest. And uh, yeah, so now we we're out selling this juice all <laughs> all over New York. That's what I do every day. I move booze. You move booze. Yeah. So it's, and it, it's I mean if and you you just deal with them also. I do. Okay. Yeah. So uh, for many years of my life, I've always wanted to understand this process yeah. better. It's I've distilled things. Right. My years in prison. Of no, course. I'm kidding. Um, when I, uh, but I've distilled things in the past. Turned out horrible, very bad. You know, you can't. You're right. If you're not good at it, you're right. just not good at uh, it. There's a there's a trial and error part. Yeah, it's yeah. just like it's just like brewing, brewing beer, making wine. You know, Any you, you got to start somewhere, and it, it may learn. not be that good at the beginning. Follow right. recipe. Right. So this family recipe that these guys have been doing, David basically. You know, he basically emerged from the womb with nemic knowledge of making mahia. <laughs> Seventh generation mahia distiller. Um, and so I came in, I learned. We crushed figs. We put them in a huge thousand liter tank. We add a bunch of yeast. And it, uh, you know, it breaks it down, turns it into an alcohol, right? Then we put it in the still and extract. Distilled. Yeah, we extract the, the actual alcohol. So... This is it right here. I'm going to make you guys a cocktail. Oh, awesome. absolutely. And you get your figs from California, I was reading? They are California white figs. Okay. Correct. Um, now, here's, here's the crazy part. So I got interested in this because of the Mahia. I invested and, like, got really vested because of the rye that he makes. Yeah. So this kind of crazy Moroccan yeah, is yeah. making American whiskey that could be the best rye I've ever had. Uh, but, not, you know, it's really, really pretty good. <laughs> Conflict of uh, interest. Careful, <laughs> careful, excuse careful, me. Careful, careful. Uh, yeah. You out of the room. It's Put good. him in the corner. Yeah. It's good. Uh, it's good, right? It's not that good. <laughs> so it is, it it's, is. It's phenomenal. It's good. I enjoy yeah, it. I yeah. really do. But coming from somebody who does it every day, you know, I drink at least as much of your rye Absolutely. as I do this yeah. rye. And you drink more rye than I do. I drink a you, you are a rye connoisseur. This man. Bunch of rye. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. 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 So. And when you, you know, it was funny when you, as, and, you know, do your cocktails as you're, as you're going. Um, when you started, when you told me about the, you're doing the Maya and there was whiskey, I'm right. like. It seemed like two totally different spectrums. Right. Yeah. Right. But well, did he start off with the whiskey? What's he, that? He started with the whiskey? No. no. He, started he started with, with the Maya. Maya. Right. He, he started with the Maya. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put about an ounce and a half of this Maya, which is the fig, O to V, right? Okay. And is there Maya available, you know, is it? Are you, are you guys pretty much the only distillery that's doing this in the United States? We are the only distillery making Mahia in the U.S. Okay. Oh, well. Right. So it's, uh, you know, it's, um, and beautiful thing about it is that in Yonkers, New York, we are not only the only one doing Mahia, we are the only distillery in, uh, in Yonkers. There's two in Westchester. We're the only one in Yonkers. Um, so, you know, the fact that these guys actually started making it there, which I think was just by accident, yeah. was actually a pretty good thing for them. Yeah. You know? It's a good spot. And my uh, compares to a brandy, it hence, is, hence the fruit. It is basically a brandy. So right. the, in English-speaking countries, anything that is distilled from fruit that is not a grape or grapes is considered an eau de vie, which means water of life. Okay. 
And mahia, the word mahia, funny enough, also means water of life in Hebrew and in Arabic. So in Morocco, if you say mahia, you're saying water of life, which is eau de vie. So, yeah. So we're going to add a little bit of uh, citrus, which always brightens this stuff up. I'm going to put a little bit of lemon and a little bit of lime juice in here. Cool. This will be the first time. I've had Maya before, but this is the first cocktail. This is the first. Yeah, absolutely. So So I'm um, excited. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. So hopefully we can extract some lemon juice. And can people buy this beyond the distillery? People can buy this at several liquor stores. Like in New York City, for example, Astor has it. Astor Wines and Spirits has it. There's plenty of restaurants uh, in New York City and in, in uh, Westchester that are carrying it. Okay, as, cool. You know, and they're making cocktails with it. And you guys had a pretty big plug on New Year's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't send you that photo. I should have sent you that you photo. Did. Oh, yeah, I did. You did. Oh, I did. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> that was pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, so one of my very uh, dear friends actually uh, manages a bunch of big billboards down in Times Square. Okay. So the very first thing that happened when I showed up um, at the distillery, I said, oh, we should probably put this on a billboard. And everybody looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, we're going to do that. We're going to actually get it on a billboard in Times Square, New Year's Eve, oh, right wow. behind the CNN stage. Yeah. Nobody believed me. Huh. Like, we don't have $50,000, I'm sorry. Well, we got it on the billboard. Yeah. And it was a hell of an ad. And you actually, f- so those of you that are listening, Tracy's a director, cinematographer, producer, um, the the video of I thought it was a still image that you were putting up. No, no, no. We put video. Up. It was. Yeah, we it put was, some video. Was, That's the way to do it. It was yeah. really well done. That's cool. Yeah. It was really well done. So I gotta, okay. So what do we got? I got to grab one more thing out of that box. So keep talking. Oh God, I'm getting nervous. Yeah, we're making. You nervous? Real... <laughs> what's new and good with you, mate? <laughs> what, what's what have what you, you been up to? Oh God. Um, Vacation. Yeah, but. Oh God. Uh-oh. All right. Here we go. We're good. We're good. All right. So, we're just going to shake this up, and we're going to give you guys a little okay, taste. And I think we got like three cocktails coming. Yeah, oh, we got God. three. Yeah, Who's we got three. But this one, <laughs> this one's really the toughest one, because yeah. the other ones are the ones I drink all the time. All right. All right. All right. And what, um, so citrus, Maya, that's it. Right. And then some, okay. uh, yeah, some simple syrup. Okay. And which... Uh, what, you've got some just normal simple syrup, not right. The, okay, right. So we well, I think in this one we actually we're going to put the thyme infused simple syrup in. Oh, cool. All right. So here we go. Cool. All right. So you guys are going to? I'm getting thirsty. Uh, you, yeah. want, you want me to come over? I'll come over. Hold yeah, on. Come over. I'm coming over. He's coming over. There you go. Let's go. Uh, Enjoy that. Gypsy, Thanks, you yes. Let one. Gypsy try some. I would love. Split it up. Can we split it up, or should we? Oh, let Gypsy have that one. You guys, you guys know each other. You guys can drink out of the same glass. For right. sure. You get to try. First off, I like how it, I like how it's in a uh, in a beaker. Yeah, totally. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a science over. project. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's never tried this before. He's leaving it to us. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, you know, t- you know, eight or ten years of being a science kind of teacher. Ooh. Yeah. You gotta have I like the sour glasses. on that. Yeah, I, there's a yeah, there's some uh, lemon and lime in yeah, there. Yeah, so. very good. Oh, that is good. Yeah, not bad, right? Yeah, very good. 
So you, you just get you just get this undertone of fig afterwards. Right. It stays with you. Yeah, it does for a little while. Yeah, but it's right. um this isn't sweet. This is this is That was not sweet. This no. is like a savory. No, that's very savory. Now, what we've done a lot of people that are doing this on cocktail menus are doing it with um you know, savory elements, right? Okay. So I've got a guy that's doing some Moroccan mint tea, some honey syrup in right. there, but then he also adds rosemary. Oh, well. Crazy, yeah. crazy good. You would think any uh, Middle Eastern Oops. herb yeah. would, herb. Would, would do well. Cardamom. Really? Cardamom. Uh, really? Yeah, huh. cardamom. Cardamom, they're doing it. Uh, cardamom, thyme. Lavender. Um, lavender yeah, is a yeah. big, big deal. Yeah. I think uh, the elderberry, I think people are adding a little bit of the elderberry syrup. Okay. Um, yeah, but I mean, what really brightens this stuff up is the is the citrus. Put yeah, a little citrus yeah, really. in there; it's it's really wonderful. Yeah, that's good. good. And what's the proof? What's Ooh, the proof? Yeah. Is it eighty? It's eighty proof. It huh? is eighty proof. Yeah, yeah. it comes not, out of the still yeah. pretty high though. It yeah. does come out of the still high. And for those of you that you know have an understanding of what you do, the thing about David is David does not leave the tails. So in, a stilling, in the distilling process, right, the first part of the alcohol that comes out is called the heads. Okay. You want to take that out. Heads, you want to get rid of the heads. Yeah, heads, it'll, hearts, and tails. It'll make you blind, really? right, because that's methanol. You want to get rid of that, okay. right? But then you get into what's called the heart of the spirit, and that's what you really want to get out of the, the mahia. A lot of distilleries, I won't name any names, but a lot of distilleries will then let it run into the tail for yeah. quite some time just to increase their yield. And the tail's dead. Unfortunately, and especially when you're, when you're dealing yeah. with, like, mm -hmm. pot stills, yeah. um, you can get some burnt flavorings. Right. Um, it, yeah, it's like mm -hmm. it's like the bottom of the pot kind of thing, yeah. you know? Um, if you, you, if get, you cook some sauce down to the very last bit, right. What's right? Left? it gets yeah. a little bitter and it gets yeah, burnt, yeah. And, yeah, right? right? So that's you want to not let that stay in. Right. But a lot of distilleries will. David refuses to. He Good. gets into the tails and he says, that's it. That's it. Good. Yeah. Right. That's so good. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a it's very, very, very clean. nice clean. Yeah. All right. So now the rye whiskey. You've had rye whiskey. I've had your rye whiskey. You've had mine. Yeah. You've had your oh. um, Or, yeah. This rye whiskey, I was, you know, I'm always a little unsure. And the amazing thing about this rye whiskey um, is... Because it's made in the same production area as Maya, yeah. it actually sure take on it actually takes on the fig. The fig, really? right? Um, it's just like going to Scotland. Uh, there's a great uh, distillery called Brooklodic. Oh yeah. And uh, we're, <laughs> who uh, Michelle? If Michelle, uh, Michelle Carlin, yeah. she was on our show a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, we had a we had a true Scotswoman on, and who she, uh, she, told she, us to pronounce it yeah, appropriately. Yeah, I don't remember yeah, what it there's was. There's a <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got folks so there's a in there somewhere. Yeah. Of, but they do an unpeated <laughs> Scotch. Unpeated. Yeah. Unpeated. Wait, is it Highland or Lowland? No, no, this is Isla. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, this is Isla. So it's an it's an unpeated Scotch. Really? But because it's made in a Isla. Repeated mm -hmm. facility, it still, still is that. very well peated. Right, right. So it's it's you know when you try the rye, it actually remember that Maya taste because it takes on a richness. Like of, the there's the, a there's a fruity almost a cherry yeah. front end to the rye that I think really because rye could be quite harsh and 
Just yeah, they can be, and it's uh, the unfortunate part about rye, and this is one of the things I'm very proud of this product with, is that you know they don't use 100% rye. They'll right. use whatever they legally need to use right. as far as the rye, and then they'll throw a bunch of other grains yeah, in yeah, there. Yeah. Some use it as flavor profiles, which is fine, but David, again, in his kind of weird mad scientist way, said, I want to make a rye and throw the commercial ideas out the window, and let's see if it's a $400 bottle of rye. So be yeah, it, yeah. but I want to make the best rye I can. It's, so yeah, it, it's very good. Yeah, so he he went up upstate New York and he sourced a bunch of certified organic rye, huh. brought it home, put it in the you know ma- cooked the mash, mash right. right? And by, and by cooking that, you break down all that starches, so right. you have something that the sh- that the yeast can actually feed on, right? You need sugar. Yep. And then um, fermented it and and distilled it, and same process, right? Where he was getting rid of the heads, kept the hearts, and lose really kind tails, of right? lose the tails. Yeah. And so what he came up with was this extremely approachable rye. It's very, um, you know, it's a very easy drinking rye. And for somebody like me that makes a lot of cocktails with the rye, so Sazerac's, which is what I'm making right now, um, happens to be my best and most favorite (laughs) cocktail. And it's even better now that I use to conic maple syrup. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Throw that plug in there. Right. Tra- yeah, so Sa- he's making Sazerac. Sazerac, Which is, Sazerac is? is a very, very traditional, one of the considered right. the first cocktail of, of the United States. Right. Um, it's three simple ingredients, four simple ingredients? Four, really. So we start with a little bit of Peychaud's bitters. Okay. Antoine Peychaud. Classic. Classic. was uh, In New Orleans was one of the kind of original... Uh, mixologist who actually helped create this cocktail. Right. And the word Sazerac actually comes from the type of cognac <laughs> that they were using in the in the drink in the beginning. Well, when the blight hit in the early 1900s and killed a bunch of, you know, uh, vines and destroyed a lot of the, the grape production, they changed to a American rye right, cocktail. Right. So as an American rye cocktail, I think it's actually better. So a little bit of Peychaud's bitters, okay. normally sugar or simple syrup. Or it's know, maple. But I'm using the bourbon maple syrup because yeah. I just... It's pretty yeah. good. Grade A organic yeah. maple syrup aged three months in bourbon barrels. Don't give Get them pancakes. Don't it's give good. Started. It's good smoke. And then some rye, right? Okay. Now, I'm going to put about... Because we only have one, we have a couple of glasses, right? We got. Yeah, but. Uh, ah, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. We'll make it work. Don't worry about it. So and we'll the, do the, this. Yep. Uh, and then. Rye, right. Peychaud bitters. This is so crucial. And what is it? Absinthe. Ooh. Absinthe. Yeah. So. Is that legal? Oh, Com- yeah. Completely legal. It used to be, right? It uh, it was always legal. Uh, it doesn't make yeah. you trip. It doesn't. I mean, you drink enough of anything, it's going to screw yeah, you up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and what happened in it, the in the absinthe world? Yeah. So the original like wormwood absinthe that you find in Europe, you know, you go to freaking uh, yeah. you know England. Or, yeah. You know what you're going to find is you're going to find an absinthe that's full of a uh, thujone, uh, and thujone if there's enough of it. If it, well, accumu- it yeah, it's a poison. If it accumulates in your in your brain, it'll actually make you sick <laughs> um, and make you trip, frankly. But the thujone is what makes you trip. And there, the and you'd have to consume a massive amount a massive of it, right? amount. You would die from alcohol poisoning before right. that happened. It was That's actually put it. out by uh, the 
the wine producers of Paris Correct. at the turn of the century to uh, as f- have you heard the term fake news? Fake news. Well, fake news. Who says that? I don't know. I don't hear it. <laughs> uh, it was uh, fake news basically to try and bring back the wine industry because absinthe and, and the way you produced and, and consumed it, it was a it was a whole procedure on how you'd consume absinthe with a sugar cube and these right. beautiful silver um, drips. Drips. Mm. And so Spoons. it became it, it became very, very uh, popular. Creative. And you know, it there was posters put up uh, at the turn of the century. It was fashionable. That oh, that was fashionable. But then yeah. the posters were put up by the wine industry, showing people like doing horrible things. Everything? Yeah, yeah. And wow. and from that point on, it, it seemed like it was you know, oh my god. And then absinthe started coming back to America right. uh, probably about ten years ago, fifteen right. years ago. And people were like, oh, is it legal? Yeah, right. Of course it's legal. Of course it's legal. So what happened is in the United States, I'm gonna said, I'm gonna go grab it. Come okay. grab it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they basically said, look, we're going to let absinthe in, but what we're going to do is we're going to curtail the amount of thujone that can be in the actual right. product, okay. right? So they, instead so of they 600, it. Right. Right, instead of 600 parts per million, let's say, they said we'll allow 40 parts per okay. million, right? I could be wrong. could yeah. be blowing that. Do you have some? Not yet, but I'm going to uh, – I'm making it in a pint glass. Don't worry. That'd be shy. Yeah. Yeah, right? So – so yeah, so that's the uh, so that's the story about the absinthe. That um, smells so good, dude. <laughs> that is a Sazerac. And this is my this is where I, I that's very good. And it's not a, it's not a rye rye. No, no. And that, a lot of New York ryes, oh, a lot of New York ryes tend to have a regional, very approachable, light, right, diverse use. Yes. Um, like kind of profile to right. it, uh, very signature, very different than Kentucky Rise. It's funny the Sazerac, easiest thing to make and the easiest thing to screw up. Well, there's a there was a huge kind of resurgence of the classic cocktail, as we all know. Certainly, if you're living in the brown spirit world, right? Oh, uh, there's a huge resurgence of the uh, Sazerac, and what happens is a lot of people try to advance the Sazerac yeah. or, or elevate Change the Sazerac right. and frankly well, well, most yeah. mixologists don't understand yeah. you know how to do something really well. Right. I've had some very elevated Sazeracs um, in the most unusual places um, but when I first tasted this uh, you know this taconic maple syrup I knew that this was going to be a winner. There yeah. you go. Trace, this yep. is Happy. this is this is <laughs> the Happy. best this is the best Sazerac I've ever had. Oh good. Yeah. I wonder if it has anything to do with it, that crazy, it might uh, it might get just a tad better if we use Taconic, but I'm just saying. Just saying. <laughs> they're like, leave they're, it in. They're they're kind of like right. <laughs> and show. If I go. didn't have this chain around my ankle right now, <laughs> I would be out the door. No, I'm kidding. That is, that is that's that is if if you've never had a Sazerac, it is a quintessential historic cocktail. Um, one of the ones you got to know if you're a mixologist in this. In this world, if you're making drinks, yep. you better know how to make a Sazerac. Absolutely. And you better know how to make the classic Sazerac. If right. you can do that, you can mess around. then you can mess around. Yeah. you got to learn the rules before you break there the you rules. Go. And one of the things that I've learned from making Sazeracs is um, it's a, it, using some kind of uh, atomizer or perfume sprayer. Yeah. Um, you, even putting a drop or two in doesn't it, – it, the, the spritz of the – the, right. per, the perfume bottle really 
it, it sounds like it doesn't make a difference. It does make a difference. Just a spritz. Well, yeah, the, uh, you know, kind of the classic way is to pour a little bit of absinthe in some ice in a rocks glass, okay. right? And as you let that kind of cure, right, and yep. the, the absinthe takes on a white, milky look to yeah. it when it gets cold. And then as you're making the Sazerac, right, as soon as you're done, you kind of roll it around inside the glass and then dump everything out. Okay. Well, you know, I, I realized pretty early that if you're taking, you know, a half an ounce of absinthe and you're putting it in every Sazerac, I will go through a bottle of absinthe personally yep. in sure. nine days. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not, but you? very quickly. Maybe. Hey. maybe. So I went to whatever my local little beauty supply store was, and I bought a $1.49 atomizer, yeah. and this, two or three spritzes of this? That's it. it. Perfect. Yeah. And I've had this, you know, for, I don't know, four or five weeks yeah. well, and barely gone through any right. of it. I don't know much about bitters. Uh, bitters vary hugely, and I Bit get to change the taste of whatever you're making. Yeah, bitters, bitters are, is basically... Uh, uh, a spirit with some kind of herbal flavoring and a bittering component. Okay, right. So it can. There's a million different types. So you have your favorites. And right. Tend right. to stick with them. But you know, it's funny. I tend to always you know, go back to Peychaud's, to uh, Angostura. Um, one of the local ones in out of uh, I think they're out of Brooklyn. Yeah. Is uh, Hella Bitters ah, or the Man Manhattan? Yeah, yeah. Jamari Pinkard. Phenomenal. Great guy. Phenomenal. Super cool cat. Yeah. yeah. So, and he does he does a, he does a couple citrus versions and he yeah. does a couple uh, like herbal and floral versions. Yep. Yeah. So Hella Bitters is and it, quite a king. And it can get it can get into the realm of weird. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. you've had yeah. chocolate bitters yeah. and you know yeah. there's all kinds of crazy Jalapeno bitters. Out bitters. There. Yeah. But so. the, great, the great part about a bitter, right, with a cocktail is that, you know, you can manage flavor profiles within the spirit and allow them to really kind of come through. Mm -hmm. And if you use a good bitters, you are not masking that. You know, so many people, you know, in the mixology world, they'll you know, put a splash of crappy cranberry juice or something. Right. In a, you know, you can do the same thing with a nice cranberry bitter and not... You know, bust up, up the, yeah, right. bust up the it, spirit, right? and it, it stays separate. Like you oh, actually yeah. take, yeah, yeah. Right. You're 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 getting yeah. both both of those flavors without like masking anything. That's great. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, King phenomenal. King. Cheers. 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 I've got a, a little bit of an empty cup, but that's good. Well, we're, as soon as you have an empty, sharing, we're as sharing. soon as you have an empty cup, let me know, and I'll make the uh, Boulevardier. Yeah. With, let's. I told. Uh, I'm the Boulevardier. Boulevardier is a, also a classic. Yes. Um, but I totally, I want to get into a little bit of your background. Sure. And then maybe we bust out the bo Boulevardier because sure. totally. I'm already feeling this right, which is good, man. <laughs> it's that's good. Is that what they're that's supposed good, to happen? That's good, man. That's good. There you go. Um, so when you're not doing this. Yeah. Oh, real quick. Are you guys yeah. open to the public? Oh, yeah. Kind of, yes. So we are um, a tasting room at the distillery. So what that really means is we can let people in as long as they're private or they're like by appointments. Okay. So the answer is yes. Okay. Go on our website and give us a shout. Right, okay. and then you can you can sign up to come and see the distillery cool. and taste the products and yeah, yeah, and we'll do private events and stuff like Brilliant. that. And we'll post on our Facebook page or Instagram. It's already up there actually. Lo uh, love the it. The yeah. link is already there. Um, but definitely, if you're in the New York area, you've got, youngest, you you've got, you've got to visit because they, yeah. you guys just opened up, right? You, the, 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 room, the, yeah. the actual tasting room. So that was yeah. part of what I. That was one of my very first things when I kind of took on the brand. I was like, 
Let's get this out. You have this amazing resource yeah. here. Why aren't we using it? Right, right, you know? right. And uh, the distillery itself was very utilitarian. You walked in, it was like eh. there was stuff stored, and it was right. just like a place to make booze, right. which is thumbs oh, up. But and then I, you know, we had this huge kind of area that all we needed was a couple coats of paint and yep. some shelves to put the stuff, and there Good we go. And it's an experience. It's a yeah, right. it's a it's a traditional spirit yeah. that needs introduction put it out there yeah right I've it's important it. right. you know a lot of spirits you know everyone makes all these things all these different spirits but they don't really have a story. Uh, a story right right or right? History, right you've got a story it's an authentic story yep and it's uh it's a historical story keep it going it's yeah. awesome yeah, yeah we're excited it's that's cool. cool all right so when you're not <laughs> What's your other pies? Oh my God. <laughs> when I'm not moving, Tracy, booze. man, you, uh, you, uh, you, uh, so you went to film school. I did. Um, you were. You also had, and we don't have to go into it in great detail. You also had military career, right? Yep. Well, not really a military career. Let's say I worked for a. Uh, I, I did some. I did some uh, some stuff with a three letter group. Gotcha. Yeah, we, somewhere south of here. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Good. I'm yeah, looking at. Good. All right, they're listening. Okay, let's they just, are listening. Let's no. just, let's just, hey guys, let's just put it been? that way. That's they're listening. So you went to film school. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna see some of your still photos. We're gonna see uh, a video clip. You have some of the most powerful um, media I've seen. Wow. Thank and you. Um, and you, are you still doing this? Oh yeah. 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 So still, it's your passion. It. Your hobby. Yeah. So how did, so where did that come from? How do... when I was a kid, um, you know, we all experienced the big kind of movies, Star Wars and Godfather, right? We we all went through that. I happened to see these movies and I was always wondering how did they do that? Right. Wh- why did they decide to use this versus this, you know, camera angle whatever? And I was fortunate enough to get a, um, a copy, a VHS copy when I was very young of Orson Welles' uh, very <laughs> first movie. We all right? A Rosebud. We all know this movie, right? So um, I... C- Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane. Yeah. Right. Th- I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, for those of you. Yeah. So uh, Citizen Kane is probably one of the most pivotal film experiences that you can see as a filmmaker. Okay. You have to watch it. But what I realized was I didn't know anything about the guy that made it. So Citizen Kane, right, was made by this guy. And I said, oh, that's kind of cool. What was he doing? Like, how did he get to his place? So he was actually getting ready to make a movie about um, Colonel Kurtz. Colonel you know Kurtz. Colonel Kurtz? Oh, you stumped me on that Come one. on, man. So there's another very Gypsy? famous. Nope. <laughs> All right. There's another very famous, uh, another very famous uh, uh, movie called Apocalypse Now that is based on this. Okay. Right? Oh. That would have So Apocalypse Now happened to be my favorite movie of all time. That's one of my Probably favorite. because I was young and impressionable and there was big explosions and Wagner playing And incredible during, cinematography. Right, and surfing. Right? Yes. And surfing. That's what really drew me to the movie. So I did some research into this cat. Uh, you know, uh, Orson Welles, and I realized that he was going to do this movie. He was going to do the movie many, many years ago, and Paramount said, no, we're not doing it, and he ended up making Citizen Kane. So I was like, wait a second, you mean filmmakers? went from that to that. Right, right. So that's what really kind of turned the switch on for me, to be, instead of a movie buff, 
to really want to be a movie maker. So when I got out of film school, um, you know, I I studied with some people that were very interesting. I got to do a a short intern with a guy that made Apocalypse Now, so we all know who Francis Ford Coppola is. was very fortunate to be able to be up in San Francisco. I worked on a crazy project called... uh, Pollo Squatsi and Cowio Squatsi, if you know what those are. No. No. <clears throat> yeah. They're um, <laughs> they were they were art films. Did they have anything to do with uh, three um, letters and guys from Virginia or something? They uh, <laughs> no, but they were all based on Hopi spiritualism. Oh, right? of course. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. really cool stuff, okay. all based on with you know, it was all used uh, Phillips glass Philip Glass's music. Very artsy stuff. Yeah, film glass is a little weird. Very. A little too weird. And these films are legitimately the weirdest films I've ever seen. But I was fortunate enough to be a part of them, right? So when I left there, the very first thing that happened to me is um, I was asked if I wanted to go to Africa. (laughs) And I wanted to shoot some photos in Africa. And I was like... I was very young, very impressionable. Absolutely. I'm like, absolutely. I want to roam, you know, roam around the Serengeti in a freaking, you know, four-wheel drive, and yeah, I want to take pictures of lions. Yeah, no. That's <laughs> not what happened. So uh, I get on a plane, and this is back before they had direct flights into Nairobi or yeah, anywhere yeah, yeah. down, right? And did you have, you had all your film gear packed <clears throat> with you, photography? I my, was all, this was all. It was all photography. Okay. So I had, they gave me a Nikon. This is part of what. I was happy about. They gave me a Nikon F4, which is a film camera. It's okay. in the old film days. Two lenses and enough money to um, get a hotel room the night I arrived and the night I left. Yeah. So I could take a shower before I yeah, got on yeah. the plane. <laughs> and a per diem of like $20 a day. Yeah, yeah. That's what I got. So you're, you were living large. I was living large. <laughs> right. I was living large. Me and the cats in the alley, we were, we were happy. So I arrive in um, South Africa. I arrive in Joburg, South Africa, and I get off the plane, and I'm thinking to myself, not a lot of animals around here, Ooh. and I walk out the front door of the airport, and three guys get shot. Jesus. Outside the front door of the airport. Turn around. <clears throat> so well, you're either going to turn around, or wrong. it's going to light a fire under light you, because fire, you've right. got cameras. Right. And you can get some of this right. right so now i start to realize that i am not in you know your grandmother's africa i'm literally <laughs> in a place where you know there is huge strife amongst yeah. the populace right people are killing each other left and right it's a big it's a big problem down there yeah so i decided to go out and start shooting photos and i'm there for you know i don't know a couple a week and a half two weeks you know just about maybe 11 or 12 days and i'm leaving a small restaurant that had, you know, South African barbecue food, mm. right? And I'm leaving this little restaurant with my monopod and my F4 and my camera bag. And as I walk out the front of this door and I'm, you know, I hear some commotion up the road. And I look up the road and I see some people. I hear some screams, whatever's happening up there. I can't really see because there's cars lined up right. along the side of the road. So I pick up my camera and I start taking photos. Now you got 36 photos. Right? right? I may right. have had 30 right. left in my camera. Right. So I follow whatever commotion is coming down the road over the top of the cars. And I capture a photo of a tiny kid, maybe nine years old, no shirt, no shoes, no pants, just a pair of shorts on, yeah. in full stride, literally just in full stride. And behind him, um, because I used a long lens, the whole thing was even compressed a little more. Mm. There was a 
pickup truck with a bunch of guys in the pickup truck with guns, rifles. Jesus. And they have these looks on their face like they're just ready to get him. kill this kid, yeah. right? And they are trying to run this kid over wow. with their pickup truck. Uh, and these weren't this this was this was not police it wasn't no, military this was, just, this was just just african you know uh people who lived in south africa it was a it was a bad thing yeah, now what we learned later was that there was some words you know up the road between this kid and these guys and they got mad and whatever happened that was happened story, right. but um he somehow or another escapes and finds his way around the other side of this old broken down very decrepit fountain Right, so he had run around the other side of the fountain, and as I'm holding the camera, taking these photos, one of the guys in the back of the pickup truck is watching me, and he bangs on the hood, and they slide to a stop, and I run out of photos. I run out of yeah, film. Film. Yeah. So I reach down to my camera bag, and I'm down on the camera bag. I'm trying to get my film reloaded, and as I stand up, I feel somebody kick me. I thought somebody had kicked me. Right? And kind of spun me around a little bit. I was like, what the hell was that, right? And there's nobody anywhere near me. And then I hear this crazy report of a sound, like bouncing off all the buildings. What the hell is this, you know? So I look back up at the truck, and the guy is now cocking his (laughs) bolt action rifle, right? And he points the gun in my direction. And I'm looking around, thinking, you know, who's this guy shooting at, right? And I realize he's shooting at me. I hear a ding behind my head. Jesus. And then this same crazy report around this area that I was So this, this guy's putting rounds <clears throat> aiming at your at head, me. and the, rain, the rounds are actually going past you. And ricocheting. The first round did not go past me. The first round actually hit me in the arm. Holy broke shit. Broke my arm, the big bone in my arm. Um, and my Holy arm, shit. yeah, it wasn't a compound fracture, but the bone was pushing against the inside of my skin. Now, I didn't realize this at this point. So, so, I, so when you reached out of your camera bag, you had been shot, but you didn't know I, it. I hadn't been shot until I stood back up. Okay. The minute I stood back up, he hit me. Now, apparently, he missed me the second time. Thank Good God. for him. God bless. <laughs> um, but the, I, I realized that he was shooting at me when I, as a gun-knowledgeable guy figured out that the bullet was reaching my position before the sound reached, reached me. me. Yeah. yeah. So Which is I, why hunting works. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I spun around, I grabbed all my crap, and I tried to run back through the restaurant, and as I reached down to grab the handle on the restaurant, That's the, when you realized. the leverage of my muscles and all, everything working Which against my little bone was shot. broke my little bone in my arm. So now I have two broken bones in my arm and I'm, my hand is all right? contorted. So yeah. I'm trying to get the door open. I run, <laughs> I run, I run through the, the restaurant screaming like a baby, yeah, yeah. like a child. Yeah. Yeah. I was crying. Yeah. I'm like, this guy just shot me and I'm running through the, I'm running through the restaurant. <laughs> <What? watching laughs> They're like, have a nice day. I'm like, they, yeah, it must have been <laughs> yeah. crazy. But that, that's, that's fucking scary because now you're like, how am I going to get medical care? How am I going to get out of here? I'm done. So None yeah, of, so cry, crying's say, okay, man. Yes. All of those things came into yeah. my head later, right? But at that at the acute moment of that experience, I was like, 
you know, run for your life. Yeah. These people are going to chase you down yeah. and they're going to kill you. Yeah. So I ran through the restaurant and I ran for what felt like 30 minutes. It may have been two. Right. Um, and I found myself a, you know, one of these telephone booths where I kind of squatted down in the telephone booth and I called my bureau chief and I was like, hey, man. I just, I just got, got shot, shot. <laughs> right? And he says, without even breaking a sweat, he's like, oh, where did you get shot? He was this, he was a yeah, Scottish guy. Yeah. His name was Seamus. <laughs> of course. Awesome. Seamus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, walk it off. Hey, hey, have hey, a whiskey. Hey, don't, don't worry. You're right. going to be fine. Pack it with haggis. <laughs> <laughs> he says, where did you get shot? You know, and I said, I'm in the arm. And he's like, no, you dummy. Like, where are you so we can come get you? <laughs> so I told him, I'm like, I'm in front of this place. Well, I'm in the telephone booth. Right. right. So a few minutes later, 10 minutes later, a kid, a 15-year-old kid in a white Peugeot pulls up. And I hop in the back seat. And I, uh, I realized I was in the wrong business at that moment when I'm back there and I'm holding my arm and I'm crying and the guy's like, are you all right? And I'm like, no, I'm shot, I'm bleeding. And he took me to the freaking desk, to the bureau desk, to drop off my film. Oh, wow. Before oh. I went to the hospital. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. So I was like, wow, okay, so do so I want to continue doing this? That yep. shows you how important you are. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm just a dude with a camera that knows how to point it and focus it. You and know, it busted out. And, right. and, and did you leave that, that, that position after that point? Or? So that was a freelance job. So I got that job okay. through uh, an organization that was a, kind of a stock arm of a pretty well-known magazine, who I won't mention. Mm -hmm. But that stock arm, their job was to do nothing more than just capture Content. Real life, right? just yeah. content. Right. They just wanted content to be able to yep. have and sell yep. to the a news. library of content. Yeah. Right. So that's all I was there for. Yeah, yeah. I was in there. I wasn't there as a, you know, feature reporter, feature photographer. I was. I was just a dude, taking photos for a place that wanted to sell the photos for a few bucks and make some money. Mm -hmm. That's what I was there for. So fortunately, I got my. You know, they fixed my arm up and I got back home and you know and I started thinking about like what do I really want to do. Right? I really wanted to be a director, um, but I didn't know what that meant at the time. Right. I didn't really have a clear understanding of what that meant. I knew I wanted to make movies, um, but you know, movies meant an hour and a half worth of content, spending weeks, months. Editing. Yeah, yeah. shooting, yeah. editing, right, all this stuff. In the commercial world, you spend two days, yep. and you send it out, and Time. you're making more money for the two days you're spending for the 30 days that all my friends were making on the movie Time side. Time is money. Right. <clears throat> so I decided that commercials were my bag. But you still, I mean, we we got to show some footage, but yeah. you still ha show, you, there's such depth going on in... in um, everything that you do and the, and you, that doesn't have to be lost just because it's commercial no and and what was really uh fortunate for me is i was you know allowed to buy this trade during a time when you know the barrier of entry in the film world was ginormous yeah. right so you know my friends and i when we started making commercials we literally would go work on a movie or a project or a commercial whatever mm -hmm. My friend Bruce was a DP. I was a, you know, I was a director, but I was like an art director at the time. Right. And at the end of the day, 
Bruce was always responsible for taking the million-dollar Panavision gold package <laughs> back to his house always, and keeping always, it safe. Always. And so Bruce and I and, you know, yeah. uh, we would all, like, leave and we would rush to some place that we had already kind of predestined right, right, to right. shoot something ourselves. Yeah. And we would work all night and then we would try to sleep for 20 minutes on the concrete floor. And then we would get up and go back to the original set. Yeah. And we did this for a long time, right, until I finally got to a point where I could, you know, invest in some camera gear and start a production company. Well, within about, you know, 10 years of starting that production company, the world started to go digital. Right. Right. So I'm now at the forefront of this business where I'm having a great time. I'm traveling around the world. I'm shooting in Barcelona and Ibiza and all these great spots. You know, Puerto, you've been to Puerto, right? Haven't we talked about that? Puerto in uh, Portugal. Right? No, no, oh. I have not been to Portugal. I'm, I'm dying to do Portugal. Have you been to Portugal? No. Dying to do the Azores. Ridic. Yeah. So, um, bucket list. All, <laughs> all of a sudden, all these people start coming out with these cameras that are, you know, a tenth of the price. Yeah. And, and half the size. Right, and half the size. <laughs> right, right. And even back then, right, we were all excited about it. But I was a very late adopter of the digital world. So I stayed in film. I was really kind of was committed to staying with film and doing it the best way I could. And then, uh, yeah, probably about 10 or 12 years ago, the, the digital cameras became yeah. good enough right. to start making the stuff yeah, I wanted yeah, yeah. to make. Ad ad adapt or mm. move on. That's, exa know? that's exactly yeah, right. Can we show uh, – do you have that? So one of the things that you do, too – too, which I think is phenomenal. You brought you brought your uh, drone professional drone pilot. You I also love that footage. you also are a helicopter pilot, correct? And, and you have your FAA license for drone shooting, correct? Can I, can I just say one thing real quick? I went to Panama, and when you have to fly back, you have to put your occupation on yeah. there. So me yeah. and my boy, who actually is a mixologist, also uh -huh. now, uh, he's a brand ambassador for Casa Noble. Oh, nice. Yes, um, I put on there a helicopter instructor. Oh, you did really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Back. It was great. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, except when you know the plane the, when the plane's having issues, yeah. you know they're like, that, that's a plane, not a helicopter. <laughs> so you still got like basics, like yeah. who's the most qualified? Yeah. Here? Yeah. I think there's like a helicopter pilot down there. Yeah, he, he drank far too much. <laughs> I, I had a drinking problem. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. All you have to do is say, "I just drank some some alcohol," and they'll leave you alone. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, they'll just leave you alone. Or it, it might not make a difference. Right, exactly. <laughs> might help. There you I go. Know. There you go. So um, so this is your aerial footage. Okay. Um, yep, this is the aerial is, reel. So maybe we... It, we're trying. We got some good audio. Let's go. It's going. Maybe not. We were bounded only by the earth. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. This is this is what happens when the engineer has a meltdown. So let me explain. <laughs> On no equipment. Let me explain what is happening in my best helicopter pilot voice. <laughs> so you, there's actually a poem. There is. Well, and let me tell you what that is. So that's Carl Sagan. Yeah. And Carl, in his, in in the most. Um, kind of in the purest way is a poet. Yeah. I don't think he really talked about himself like a poet. But when you listen to Carl Sagan and oh. you listen to him talk about quarks and freaking molecules and physics and the world and the like he is yeah. so passionate. Yeah. So when I 
originally did this, my whole idea was what I'm looking at something from way up high, right? And what does that mean, right? I, and the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, planet Earth, like looking down. Yep. And the first person that came to my mind was Carl Sagan. You just can't, yep. you know, you can't. So that's who I used as the... Uh, now, were you able... Did you actually get him to voice over that? Oh, no, no. This is a very famous Carl right. Sagan saying. Yeah. So sorry, sorry, Carl, I didn't send you a, a check for that. But okay. uh, No, it's all public. It's all public That's domain, all public domain yeah, at this yeah. point, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, a, it's a really, really... Powerful, yeah, yeah, and you did the same thing on your actual reel. Um, yes, with a different, with a different, yeah, with a different uh, thing. But yeah, the the show reel is a whole kind of a different thing. It's bigger energy. It's you know, it's a totally different thing. But the aerial reel, I really wanted to kind of be able to punch down from up high and like let people see, you know, from this kind of lofty view, right, yeah. what the world really looked like. Yeah. And Carl Sagan was a perfect voice for yeah. that. And do you get um, do you get do you get clients specifically calling you asking you about drone shooting? Sure. Um, the yes, and the unfortunate part is when the drones kind of first started becoming a thing, right? Right. What's so that people, like? Five years ago now? Longer? Yeah, maybe maybe around five years. Okay. But they really started becoming. Very popular about three years ago. Right. Like every like the, the real early adopters were five right. years ago. That was me. I bought yeah. you know one of the very first Inspire drones, but we were getting a lot of calls from surveyors and you know real estate people. And right. It was do, very very one dimensional. Right. There like, was it was very transactional. And hey, can right. you come take you know drone video of my twenty million dollar house? Well, you know, sure, yeah. sure, sure. You there's know. no story. There's no right. feeling. There's no concept. Right. I right. just need to be able to sell my twenty million dollar house. Right. So um, a lot of those I turned down, frankly, and uh, you know, to the uh, to the dismay of my uh, accountant, <laughs> who uh, you know was looking at all these numbers flying by that we could have made, but we didn't. And I'm very glad I didn't. Yep. You know, frankly, because. In the uh, in the world of drone photography now, there's a lot of people out there who are doing unbelievable work, right? Yeah, right. Um, it's just it's so powerful. Yeah. yeah. If it's done well, it has to be done well. Right. It really does. You can't just put a drone up and right. Right. There has to be some dynamic movement and. Sorry. That's right. <clears throat> yeah. So. Oh, all good. All good. Um, yeah. It's just that it's 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 incredibly powerful if it's done if it's done right. well and um and tricky and i remember you he actually came up we went up to yeah, you, you went up to uh, anthony's nose right we went up right. to anthony's nose that was cool that was uh, for the distillery uh, no it was just kind of just, like for the day we were just kind of going ground. up and we were just trotting around those really steep cliffs yeah, in yeah. the middle of uh yeah like upstate yeah. new york yeah, yeah this yeah. was up near bear mountain new york yeah. and it was a place called anthony's nose and it was um it's a great spot for eagle watching and we actually had that the drone video the drone with the hawk yeah. kind of coming after it but That's it was right. he's got your drone is it's expensive it's, it's yeah well the one the one that i had at that time was you know i guess as it was equipped it was probably about you know five five or five thousand five like 5500 bucks is really what okay. it was worth i mean the new ones now now i have one with 
you know, a micro four-thirds yeah. camera and, like, different lenses. And, and I'm sure the technology is changing every five minutes. Yeah. Ridiculous. Sure, so yeah. now, you know, my drone is worth about $12,000. Right. But, you know, I can, I can, can adjust focus yeah. right. and everything right from yeah. the ground, right? right? And I have an iPad Pro. Right. You know, so it's, it's, a, it's a totally different experience. But, you know, coming from, you know, aerial photography in the helicopter world, right, one of my mentors when I – You'll, Magnum PI? Yeah, Magnum PI. <laughs> <laughs> and I I need my porn stash back, just to say. But uh, one of my mentors in the aviation world was a guy who did, um, his name is Clay Lacey. Okay. And Clay Lacey did all the aerial photography for Top Gun. Oh, cool. Oh, okay. Right? So he's flying around in a Lear 35, like with a you know, West Cam camera and a dude in the back. You know, these guys are like legit yeah. flying around at Mach Snot, like taking video or taking you know film at the time of f-14s you know they so were pretty the, cool they stuff. were the true top gunners they were the yeah. people right yeah. so clay lacy um you know fortunately enough he was a guy that kind of taught me really kind of what it meant to like have a good shot from the air yeah and what i realized very soon after i started doing drone work was you can't do only drone work if you right. only do a drone shot and that's all you do. Then it's not a drone shot. It's, it's You've just got to drone go from shot. something to something. Right, yeah. right. You need to actually incorporate, right. you know, stuff on the ground. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and they're using it a lot now in car right. commercials right. and, you know, all these beautiful, right. you know, uh, kind of these movie, these big, beautiful drone shots in movies. Right. Yeah, and one of your shots that we were watching earlier, the aerial, you, you were going across a cornfield. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, yeah, it wasn't necessarily and then, and then you went up. Right. Which made you understand... Right. If you just stop there, you could be in there. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Did you uh did you guys happen to see the one where you just raised straight up over the top of the clouds? Did you see that? Yes. Was that the beginning? He, he didn't that see that the one. end. I saw oh, that one. Oh, yeah. That's incredible. Well, that's one and of those that's one of those shots that it just it's uh, so I started over the top of this lake called Candlewood Lake up in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know yeah. Candlewood. Oh, yeah. very well. And uh it was a very, very foggy cloud like foggy day, right? So yeah. there's this haze and this fog. And I rose the drone straight up. So you see the lake for a minute, and then you go up into this, basically this gray cloud cover. And then all of a sudden, poof, like you, you popped up emerge above. out over the top of the cloud That's layers. Awesome. And the sun Just was boom. rising yeah. Yeah. right over the top of the horizon just as I popped up. Could have been, and totally luck. Yeah, yeah, totally yeah, yeah, yeah. It you're like no, you're like let's send it up through the clouds and see what happens this Sorry. was not like i didn't wake up yeah. one day and do the freaking sunrise sunset you know i wasn't yeah. you know i wasn't it doing wasn't that timed. right nothing right. at all i just happened to be out there that's so, cool we all right. may have this uh this reel up. we so might have, here we go it. we got it i figured it out all Woo! right all right by the way I our engineer you. is the bomb the gypsy's the best i blame blame the liquor okay Great drinks, by the way. Yeah, very good. I told you we need like <laughs> three hours. We were hunters and foragers. The frontier was everywhere. We were bounded only by the earth and the ocean and the sky. The open road still softly calls. Our little terraqueous globe is the madhouse of those hundred thousand millions of worlds.
Nice. That. Yeah, well done, man. <laughs> Thank you, bro. Well done. And, the, like... Oh, that's the camera. God, the, and we've only got like a few minutes left. Yeah. Um, you, we gotta have you back on. We didn't get started. They, we, we haven't even. Begun. <laughs> we, we haven't even begun. All right. <laughs> um, so uh, your company, if we need to get in touch with you, sure. Uh, it's Q36 Creative. Correct. Um, we'll post on our website. Love it. Thank um, you. There is Q36 Creative on Instagram. Yes. Um, before we go. Just kind of wanted because like, we're all kind of collectively here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of threw it out to you guys. Uh, three things on your bucket list. Oh, you think, oh God. You think we can wow. do this? In, like, this in you think we minutes. can do this in, sure. in in like three to four minutes? If sure. we go a minute over, we're good. All right, Tracy. Three things on your bucket list. Climb a big, big mountain. Something not necessarily Everest, but something like Makalu, right? Fifth highest mountain in the world. I used doable. To climb a lot. Definitely doable. Almost did it a couple years ago, but uh, but didn't quite make it. And number two, which is really important to me, is I'm trying to learn a new language. Right? Cool. So I'm already kind of knee-deep in the process, although I'm very far away from actually knowing a language. And then I want to have my banda. Banda means house in Tanzania, um, probably cool. in the Rawaha area or Rotia Valley, and maybe like up in, there's an area called Alolo Sokwe just off the Serengeti, which one of those three areas in Tanzania. You're happy. Hat. You're good. That's awesome. That's cool. Namaste. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Rich, you're uh, ride, on, ride on the wing of an aeroplane. Whoa. Okay. I would love Rich. to. Strap me to Strap me to the wing of an aeroplane. Okay. Just ride it out. There, there's, a, uh, there's a new series on, on Netflix called uh, Extraordinary Houses. And the first episode of the first house, they, they actually, uh, the roof is made of, of the wings of really? a Boeing 747. Shut up. Oh, it took them, the story cool. is amazing. They, they, the, the, the woman bought the Boeing because, you know, they have the graveyard. Yeah, yeah. And you buy it for $50,000. She had to get, like, uh, all, all those alphabet agencies, she had to get like clearance from like 35 of them. Yeah. Like it was ridiculous. Awesome. But you can literally walk out on the wing and it's in, uh, where is it? Somewhere outside of, of LA, really out cheap, in the middle man. of nowhere. Of course, they, they probably got them from the airplane graveyard. Mojave Airport. Number two, a play okay. date with baby chimpanzees. Oh, oh, I can help you with that. Cool. My wife would have to be there for that one. Yeah. Oh, that's great. You might leave with the monkeys. <laughs> Leave her there, leave with the monkey. That's right. Um, and third, own a bar restaurant of some kind, which we've talked about doing for years. Just like a, I'd love to own a small little restaurant, comfort food, nice little cozy bar. Done. And with Let a, me know when with, it opens. With the pub dog. Oh, no, no. Pub dog. Gotta have a pub dog. Wow, that's cool. Um, Maddie. All right, so I've got three things. One does have to do with the plane. I'm dying to get in. I hate flying. Anybody that knows me, I'm terrified flying. I'm flying tomorrow. I've got flight meds. I just don't do flying. But I do it. I'll fly anywhere. Sure. I just am not well. Um, but I want to go on a jet fighter. I can help you with that, too. I, I want to be strapped. I want to be strapped in. <laughs> he can help you with that, too. I want to grab, grab the joystick. Bring a bag. And, you know, that's Bring what I want to do. I want to feel, feel like mock. Bring that's a what bag. I feel. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, this is kind of weird. Something I've always wanted to do. It's just going to take some time. And it's an it's investment. I want to learn how to play the Irish pipes. Whoa! Yeah, but all right. I want to learn how to play the Irish pipes. I've always wanted to learn how to play it, and I want to. And this goes into my third bucket list, which is similar to yours. I want to climb a great mountain. Oh, and I'm not sure which one. Um, Doable, but I want to play the bagpipes 
at, at the, the top. top that's of the cool. Mountain. That's cool. With Are you going to have enough air to do it? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I'll bring, a, I'll bring a tank. Okay. Very good. It's, it's got to be b- below, you know, 20,000 feet, you know, so. Uh, but well, that's, can I make a, I'll make a suggestion. Yeah. You can probably get a couple things on your bucket list. Go to Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. Yeah. 19,000 feet. It's a long uphill walk. It's not a climb. There's no technical aspect yeah. in Kilimanjaro. And you are at the top of the world. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. yeah. I'll bring the pipes. Yeah. Irish pipes are smaller, too. They are. Yeah. There you, you go. Will, you will. That's cool. Will you play at my, uh, what Funeral. am I going to have soon? <laughs> Funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you play at mine. Oh, I will. <laughs> 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 Love when it comes back. Oh, God. All right. Well, with that, um, Trace, Thanks thank you so much. Uh, you Please, it, you, we've just started, so you do have to come back on. I am happy to. Okay. Game on. Um, if you need to find Tracy Allen, Q36 Creative, we'll put it on our Facebook page. Check us out. Check us out on Facebook page. Instagram. We'll see you in two weeks. I'm heading to the Bahamas for some spear fishing, so we'll have some fun stuff. And I'm getting better. And you are on the the mend. Uh, On the mend. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you uh, in a couple of weeks. Peace. Carry on. This is Rogues on the Road with Matt Froman and Rich Marshall, where we talk food, travel, craft beverages, and everything in between. 